0: Welcome to the Plus 6 Podcast. My name is Pete and I go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. I would like to welcome a very special guest to the podcast. Welcome Mitch Cleary. Pete, thanks for having me on board. Your new role at Channel 7 Melbourne, almost the biggest trade during the trade period.
1: <laughs> oh, some people have suggested that. So I like to think there was plenty of action to talk about. On the field, no, it's been uh, a good start. I joined uh, on the first day, my first day was the first day of the trade period, so uh, had to uh, start uh, start pretty quick. But uh, I guess now it's giving me a bit of time to put my feet under the desk. Um, you know, this time of the year, I guess the footy news dries up a little bit when we focus on cricket, horse racing, those sorts of things. But it's uh, it's been a good start, enjoyable, and uh, yeah, learning a lot in my first couple of weeks.
0: For those in Melbourne, Channel Seven News, a must watch now, especially throughout the uh, pre-season and during the season with regards to sport and footy obviously, but uh, with Mitch on there as well so definitely a must watch if you are in Melbourne. Okay, the flat 21 trade period if you can explain to the listeners why this was the case.
1: Yeah, clubs were a little bit gun this year Pete, just for a few factors uh, the salary cap, obviously it was reduced uh, 9% the year prior so uh, clubs pushed a lot of money in um, they, they were actually deferred a lot of money. So uh, when players took that 9% uh, in 2020 into 2021, um, they, were actually, they were able to defer uh, up to 5% of that into 2022. So club caps were pretty tight and, and players were, were pretty loyal to stick with their clubs uh, on that money. And also the salary cap, we, we still sit here right now. We don't know uh, exactly what it looks like beyond 2022. I think it's likely we'll see a one-year extension on the current CBA that was already in place. That was uh, the 2017 through 2022 CBA. I think that'll continue on a one-year deal next year and return to normal. But in terms of 23, 24, 25, players signing these long-term deals and going and being able to chase these big fish, it just wasn't possible this year. You know, Jeremy Cameron, I would have been interested to see, had we been in the same situation 12 months earlier, what the Cats would have actually been able to do and and go and target a player like Jeremy Cameron with a a tighter cap and without much certainty around the salary cap. So uh, hopefully that opens it up uh, for the future. But um, yeah, that probably sort of lends itself as to why we didn't see a great deal of movement uh, this
0: off-season. So it wasn't a great year for clubs trying to sell, for example, Hawthorne.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a a good point. Um, And... The way I – this probably hasn't been threshed out as much, but the way I look at it is clubs sort of at the end of 2020 sort of put a lot of chips into 2021. You saw Richmond, for example, move a future – a first rounder in 2020 into 2021. A lot of clubs were were sort of all chips in on the 21 draft, thinking that once we were out of COVID and we were going to have a better lens on players and we were going to get a bit more of a a view on these players. Unfortunately, the same sort of thing happened, especially in Victoria, and and we don't know – a great deal of, um, you know, have a great deal of knowledge on these, on these players. But um, I guess what I'm trying to say, the long way round, is, his clubs were a little bit reluctant to pass on their, their first round picks because they didn't, they sort of viewed 2021 as being a stronger draft and um, sort of stockpiling some good picks for 2021. So um, Hawthorne, absolutely, they had those players on the table: Tom Mitchell, Jay Ramira, Chad Wingard, Luke Bruce. Uh, one, they were all contracted. But two, the Cubs sort of weren't willing to part with good picks for them. Like a Port Adelaide, you would have thought, would, would go for one of those midfielders. Mm. They didn't do it because they're going to back themselves in the draft this year. So that's a little bit of that example. Um, I think Hawthorne would have been happy to pay a, a lot of those players' wage, given that their salary cap's in a pretty good position right now at the Hawks. They lost Patton and Scully to premature retirement, so they've got money to room in their own salary cap. Um, but I just think Cobbs were uh, not willing to, to part with uh, prized first round selections. The Giants was were one that came late, and, and you can see why because they had that pick two. That was a bonus, uh, better than what they prepared for in that one from Collingwood in that exchange with Collingwood. But they were willing to put their what was it pick twelve or thirteen on the table for Wingard or Bruce. Um, in the end, those guys didn't want to move. I, I would have been interested to see what would have happened if it was uh, if it was Tom Mitchell or if it was Jay Ramirez. I reckon. Uh, one of those guys might have been opened a bit more to a move, but there wasn't really any takers for those two specifically.
0: It's interesting, Wingard, and he said no to a trade whatsoever, but he would have been a perfect fit for GWS next year.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think Wingard, he doesn't have the credentials of Tom Mitchell. He hasn't won a Brownlow, and you know he might not have won the BNFs, but I think he's probably just as, if not more important to, Tom, to Hawthorne as, as Tom Mitchell because of his burst explosive speed. It's probably something they lack right now, and I hope they go to the draft and address that. They went last year and got Denver, Granger, Brass, a big need for them as a key position centre half back for the future, but they need explosion in that midfield. You've got Liam Shields, you've got James Warple, Mitchell, O'Meara, even John Newcomb, a guy they've invested a lot in um, with a three year deal at the mid season. They need some burst speed, and Wingard provides that, so I can see. Yeah. Our white clubs were after him, and I would have had him probably number one in the pecking order of uh, yeah, most important
0: hawks. Absolutely. Yeah. God, could, could you imagine Toby Green in one pocket or half of oh. the flank and Chad Wingard on the other? would have been amazing.
1: Oh, absolutely. And they've lost a little bit of firepower now, Now the, the Giants. I'm not saying Jeremy Finlayson's sort of you know, going to kick your you winning scores, but off the back of Jeremy Cameron the year before, that, that would have been a nice little addition to that, uh, that Giants board line for sure
0: but not to be. Okay, so 2021 is done. What can we expect from 2022 trade period and how important, uh, you mentioned earlier, is the new CBA to that?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. So, well, yeah, as I expect, I think the next 12 months will be uh, the CBA locked in uh, for 2022 and then they'll get to work on what the next one looks like. So the TV rights are obviously a big part of that. Uh, they're signed for the next three years beyond this year. Um Hopefully, clubs, by the, end of ne- by the end of the start of next year's trade period, they've got a bit more of a view. Um, I think the negotiations will be, you know, at, at a rough guess, it'll be sort of July or September next year. They'll sort of get, ramp up those negotiations. So hopefully, by next year's trade period, we've got a, a good view of what happens for the years in advance. Plus, I look at the, the free agents for next year. I know we'll, we'll speak about a lot during the year, Pete, but James Sisley, Caleb Daniel, yeah. um I think Jack McRae is a free agent. Um, Braden Maynard, Darcy Moore, Jordan McGowey. It's a bumper crop. And yep. even though there were some good names this time last year heading into 21, you know, Cripps, Pally, um, you know, Jack Billings, they were probably unlikely to, to leave. Merritt and, and Kelly, Josh Kelly were probably the two that we spoke a lot about heading to 21, but the salary cap, and sort of the uncertainty in the competition may have lent itself to those guys staying. But I think, I think we're going to see a lot more movement when it comes to the free agents in 12 months time.
0: For sure. And that'd be great. Obviously uh, the best time of the year for you.
1: Oh, absolutely. I I love the player movement space. um, And as I've heard uh, a lot of people talk about it, it doesn't just bob up overnight. So already I've got a a little checklist of, of names. You're just putting in your your little diary thinking, I wonder, wonder what he's going to be doing in 12 months time or, Um, If you had a conversation with a club during trade period, just to store those away, because often these things are 12, 18 months in the workings. And I think the the one that stands out to me is the Tom Lynch from from, uh, Gold Coast of Richmond. Uh, All parties were sort of aware that was in the works for some time, and he admitted, and his management admitted in the postscript of that, that that had been in the works for a good 12 months. So um, I guess... Whereas maybe three or four years ago as a journalist, you might have almost been a bit guilty or you might have felt, oh, there's no story in that. I think a couple of those bigger deals uh, and clubs admitting they've been working on them for a long time um, allows you to to sort of pick up these conversations a bit earlier.
0: So the interesting one with Tom Lynch was, I remember, it was almost the end of the home and away season and Lynch was copying a bit in the news with regards to his contract and at a Damien Hardwick press conference, he was in there defending him. So, yeah, which, which right. was actually a big tell for me to say, well, he's actually just going to Richmond. Because why well, would an opposition coach, who and opposition coaches generally don't like to talk about players coming out of the contract or other teams, but he was in his presser actually defending him.
1: That's why you're one of the best, Pete, and that's why everyone needs to follow AFL Ratings, Pete, and AFL Ratings on Twitter because this is a sort of. Uh, stuff that uh, very few people pick up on and, and you're only one of them.
0: The other one um, with regards to deals done a long time in advance, obviously the, probably the biggest uh, move to, in, with regards to uh, player movement is Lance Franklin because that was done. Yeah. I, I'm, I can remember at the time is that when Hawthorne won that premiership against uh, Fremantle, yeah, you you could just see it in Buddy's eyes in the press conference that he was in tears, as in when he was talking about his future and, you know, and he like like he just knew. Um, yeah. So that was a, done a long time in advance as well, uh, going on reports and just listening to people and reading some articles and just on that how that deal went down overall.
1: Yeah, and even I, I, these are, these are far lesser names. Even like Jordan Clark, for example, he, he just moved. Uh, to Fremantle, but he tried to do the same thing or, or really explored it 12 months earlier. So these things can uh, – clubs can get the years of players. The other thing as well, um, we, we speak about this – well, when I used to work at AFL.com.au is, is clubs going hard at players in their draft year and sort of not knowing – sorry, knowing there's no chance to get them in the draft, but I think using it as a, as a, um, as a, as a long-term future play. So the mm-hmm. one that springs to mind is Will Setterfield Yep. Um, I think Essendon were always going to take Andy McGrath that year at number one, or Cedarfield sort of wasn't in the, the conversations as the pure number one pick. But I think they had a sense that if he ended up at the Giants like he did, um, that they could maybe get him three or four years down the track. And Essendon had a crack. He went to he went to Carlton. Unfortunately, his career just hasn't blossomed as much as we'd hoped. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that's something else heading into the draft. If, if clubs put a lot of time and energy into players that might end up interstate, I think that can often lend itself to helping down the track.
0: Yeah, and obviously, um, obviously, I consume a lot of content, and that was, um, I think, Derek Hyman was the one saying that about Pat Lipinski, and there was a couple of others yeah. recently who just said, yeah, I watched him during the draft period, and we really liked him, and we couldn't get him, but they keep yeah. these list managers and recruiters, they keep them in their front of mind, I guess.
1: Oh, absolutely, and even when they change clubs, you know, list managers, you know, like it. You just look like a Nick Austin who's gone from Western Bulldogs to Carlton. You know, you, you look and think, well, it was he in his office every day watching Lewis Young play, um, yeah. you know, and now he's at Carlton. These are the sort of things you, you think and consider. So uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of things go into the... Uh, the mixing pot all
0: right let's get into the trade period and how it went there we're going to go through every player and just a quick snapshot of uh, what the deal took place and also uh future role with regards to fantasy so first one off the bat is uh, Jake Kelly he joins Essendon so this could actually free up Jordan Ridley to play that intercept uh, marking type defender role Mitch
1: oh absolutely wholeheartedly agree and I think Jordan Ridley, um, especially when it comes to points for intercept marks and uh, those sort of things when it comes to fantasy, uh, will be a huge asset this year. Um, I think they still maybe lack that big lockdown key defender. They'd love to see Michael Hurley get back. Uh, I'm not sure how that one's going to pan out heading into to next year, but um, you know, can James Stewart hold it down? Is Verde still a little bit undersized? But yeah. uh, I'm with you. I think this one allows uh, Ridley a little bit more breathing space to play a bit looser.
0: Marby choll joins Gold Coast, so he's going to go in with ruck support for Jared Witts, uh, plus he'll spend a bit of time forward, Mitch.
1: Yeah, it's probably, I'll look at this and think, can they play with, uh, Chol and, and Sam Day on the same side? Mm. That'll be something to watch over pre-season, I think, especially in the, uh, the pre-season games, as to whether Stewie ju goes with Chol and Day or, or just um, just Chol. Uh, Day's an interesting one, because he when he's fit, they usually pick him. Um, yep. And when he gets a good runway in terms of a preseason, I know he's had some horror injury setbacks. So that'll be one to, to keep an eye on in terms of Charles' uh, role. Uh, pardon the pun. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think Witts is, is a big asset to return for the Suns. Uh, that they've lost his ability around stoppages. and I, I think uh, Raul, Anderson... Um, these guys Greenwood will just walk a bit taller with Jared Wits uh, palming it down next year
0: yeah probably one of the most underrated uh, injuries of the season was Jared Witts yeah, yeah. Out of that team does that again that like I mean Gold Coast and Stuart you that just doesn't give him an opportunity to grow
1: no it doesn't exactly and uh, that midfield relies so heavily you change a whole it changes the whole looking midfield when you're you're rocking to you're, you're sort of roving to Jared Witz compared to Chris Burgess. and. Yep the other guys they had rolling through there. So um, I think that'll make a big difference to those midfielders around Jared Witts. um, Yeah, I I just think uh, the, the child one makes sense in so many different ways. They may have given him an extra year longer than they would have liked, but I guess that's the price you've got to pay when it comes to the trade period.
0: OK, George Hewitt goes to Carlton, so he could play as a shutdown uh, type in the midfield, um, and that midfield obviously going to be reshaped a little bit with Michael Voss, Yeah,
1: it is. Oh, I think this is a really good pick-up. They may have given him maybe a year longer than they would have liked Carlton, but that's what the, the benefits of free agency. A player like Hewitt comes in, um, they know Carlton, if they give him a, bit of a longer deal on, on better money, they know that Sydney's in no position to match that, so they get him for nothing. Uh, I think he's going to be important with Chera, Walsh, Cripps hunting the footy. They need someone like this in the midfield. Um, you look at their back line last year. It was hammered. They, they leaked goals for fun. Yep. Even with two of the best uh, defenders in the competition, Liam Jones had a really good year and and Wiedering, Uh He wasn't All-Australian from memory. I think he was in the 40, though, um, yep. Both both really strong. And they just leaked goals out of their stoppage. I think I wrote an article at the time. They were the, the easiest midfield to play against. Yep. And with Ed Kernow getting into his 30s, uh, I think they may try and use him maybe on a bit more of a wing uh, at half-forward, yep. uh, Ed Kernow. Yep. I think George Hewitt's the, the perfect addition to that midfield.
0: You've got to be thinking with Michael Voss coming into uh, Carlton as a head coach, and he, he's one of the best midfielders of all time, you've got to be thinking that midfielders group is going to be pretty sharp now.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and they add um, Clark from Gold Coast. That uh, they are the, the assistant coach they've added. So um, yep. uh, his first name is Casim. But um, yeah, it's a new look to the midfield. Luke Power continues with the the uh, sort of the uh, development role. So I I think Carlton just expanding them a, a little bit. I think they really should be primed down. That they underspend on their salary cut for a couple of years. They're now paying 105% of their salary cap. They've been in this position to go bang. Uh, I think what's hurt them is the the lack of development in their top tenors, you know, in Petruski, Seton, Dow, uh, these sort of guys, Lockie O'Brien. They're the ones that probably hurt them, but this list should be still good enough to play finals. And if they're not playing finals next year, that is is a big setback for that footy club. New coach, I get that, but this list structure and the way it's been built, um, to go bang with Cripps, Mackay, you know, Kurnow and these guys, Wiedering, all at the prime, um, I think they should be in a good position next year.
0: Yeah, that midfield is now stronger, and if you can just get 12 months, well, obviously a lot longer for Carlton supporters, but if you can get a strong 12 months from Kurnow and Mackay, I mean, anything, I think actually think anything's possible for Carlton.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Um, you know, I had doubts on Melbourne at <laughs> so the pre-season, how they're going to kick goals. You yeah. know, Carlton's... Um, and I know we'll get to a few players that have interviewed already. I saw Harry Mackay doing a sprint session uh, two or three weeks ago. He's a beast, and he's going to be over his shoulder. His body's going to be primed. Yeah. He could be better again, and I expect him to be better again in 22.
0: Okay, Nathan Kruger joins Collingwood. So Graham Wright, a mate posge of, of footy, he's keen to see Kruger play forward.
1: Yeah, this is a little bit of a spec one, I guess. He hasn't played forward for a couple of years. He was drafted to Geelong as a forward, as a 19-year-old, um, played well in the sand that year, um, was overlooked in his draft year. The Cats sort of thought, oh, we'll, we'll bring him in as a forward. Um, it was interesting as part of that mature age um, picks that Carlton and Gold Coast got. The Blues traded one of those to Geelong in exchange for another pick. Helped the Cats get Kruger that year. Just didn't fit with Radigalia, Hawkins, Cameron. He was pushed into defence. I actually liked his debut game against North Melbourne down in Hobart, but just wasn't given the opportunities. In hindsight, I think it could be one of the cats come to Rue, uh, given Henderson's gone now. I think Kruger would have played a lot of footy in defence next Mm. year, but he wants to be a forward. Um, How does he fit with Darcy Cameron and Majercek? I think this is one you have to watch through the pre-season because, um, yeah, with new coach as well, how do they go, do they they think? Can can Cox play there with, with Kruger? Do they go more of Dugowie, we'll talk about Dugowie, so um, can see how Kruger fits in, but uh, it's not going to cost the pie as much, I think it's, it's well worth a play for them.
0: Jeremy Finlayson joins Port Adelaide, so this provides a little bit of flexibility for the power up, Mitch.
1: I hated it when it first got raised, did yep. not like it at all, because I thought Adams, uh, Marshall, Dixon, that Georgiotti, I love Georgiotti, so, uh, yep. all in on him, yep. um, I thought Jesus, the last player they need, but When you think about it now, with Laddams going out, they were probably always preparing for that. The power. um, I think Jeremy Finlayson could almost be that second ruck option. He did a little bit of it at the Giants. Uh, Lyset playing number one ruck. Can a Lear maybe chop out in the ruck? I don't think so. I think you keep him now in defence. So (laughs) uh, sorry, Finlayson might be that guy that plays fifteen twenty percent a quarter in the ruck. And um, yeah, let's see how he goes because they're going to probably need something else around Lyset now, and he could well be that guy.
0: Okay, we get on to Luke Dunstan joins Melbourne. So he's going in there to provide a midfield depth for the Demons. Obviously, uh, with Oliver, Petrarca and Varney in there, they're strong. And uh, Dunstan comes in there as potentially just as backup at this, at this stage.
1: Yeah, probably his backup. I heard Tim Lamb, their, uh, list head, head of list management, saying that he's their oldest midfielder now. He comes oh, yeah. in basically as their, their oldest mid. So he adds a little bit of um, experience in there. He's not—he's not a world beater. You know what you're getting with Luke Dunstan. He's more of an inside player. But you know, if Clayton Oliver or Petrarca cop an injury early next year, I think he's pretty good cover with Vandenberg and Nathan Jones going out of that side now. So yep. um, it makes—it makes a lot of sense. They don't have to pay much for him. He's hungry and looking to prove a few people wrong after what happened at St Kilda. I think Brett Ratton pretty much put a line through his name at the start of the season. Then he started to light the wood on fire playing for Sandringham. It was too hard to ignore him. Picked up his eleven Brownlow votes. Um, I think there's worse pickups, and uh, he knows he's probably not in their best 22. But gee, he's going to give it a good shake, and uh, if anything, it's a nice pickup for Casey at least.
0: Uh, if there's any injury situation at the Demons uh, in that midfield, and Dustin comes in, obviously he's got a monster yeah. fantasy game as well. So obviously that's p- potentially just an injury situation trade for fantasy. Okay, this one could be big. Gets Will Brody to Fremantle. Mm-hmm. So with Cherry now at the door, the opportunity for Brody is bigger than that midfield, Mitch. Yeah,
1: he's he's going to get he's going to get opportunity because uh, the Dockers, you know, they're paying. That, that wage and the money that was left on it, they got a nice pick in 19 in terms of that yep. transaction with the Suns. Um, but they're going to have to they're going to give him a go, and uh, I'm, I'm keen to see what he can do. Uh, highly rated in, in his draft year, he and Stewie Jew didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things, and yep. um, I think his papers are pretty much stamped when they brought Hugh Greenwood in um, at that time. They were similar sort of inside players, but um, yeah, I, I, but let's see how, how he goes. He, he could be a little bit flaky at the, at the Dockers, but um, I'm keen to see how he goes through pre-season, and um, he could be one of the surprise pickups next year.
0: For sure. Okay, Adam Chera, probably the biggest trade, besides yourself, obviously, to Carlton. <laughs> uh, so he should see high usage through that midfield, and obviously that includes center bounces, Mitch.
1: Oh, this is going to be big, yeah. Yeah. Um, gave a lot for him, but you know, you're getting any, and he's only 21 turning 22, just yeah. turned 22 the day he was traded, so he's got 10 years of footy left in him, it's a good investment for Carlton, um, I think he's a nice foil now for, for Walsh, Walsh and Cripps in that midfield with Hewitt as well, so um, yeah, I, I think when it comes to Walsh and Chera, they're two of the better users, and Harry Mackay chatting to him a couple of weeks ago, he was pretty excited about what Chera would be like putting the ball down his throat, so um, yep. I think Blues fans should be excited. Cripps is at crash and bash. Uh, Hewitt's probably not the user you want the ball going inside 50 with, but Cheris certainly is, and um, I think he could make a big influence at the Blues.
0: Okay, Tim O'Brien joins the Bulldogs. Now, look, he's potentially going down to playing defence into an intercepting defender-type role.
1: Yeah, and it makes a bit of sense now. Eason Wood told us last week that um, he almost gave, well, he did give the, the, the list management and the coaches a heads up that um he, he was likely to, to hang them up Makes straight away now, yeah. so yeah it all sort of adds up now and um, I think the uh I think he's going to get game time he, he just has to now given Easton wood goes out of that team yep. um, not gonna say he's gonna be a lear um because I think that was one of the great debut seasons for a recruit but he could you know I, I think he could have a bit of influence as that interceptor he, he showed a bit if he gets a clean run at it, uh, a bit more consistency in his game. I, I like him as that uh, that third-tall defender alongside Keith and, and probably one of Cordy or Gardner.
0: He's got really good hands, obviously, we know it, uh, yeah. contender for Mark of the Year. But uh, he reminds me almost a little bit of a Jeremy Howell type.
1: Yep, absolutely. Um, probably not as as dynamic or as good with the ball in hand but as Jeremy Howell, uh, but... Yeah, I can see those similarities, and I I think he's going to get plenty of opportunities um, at Wittnogel.
0: Okay, Sam Petreski-Seaton joins West Coast. So this could be a bit of a split outside midfield role with half-forward usage, Mitch.
1: Yeah, I can see how he goes as a pure midfielder. Um, Top 10 pick. Um, He might be a little bit more settled being back in WA. He's from Halls Creek, which is uh, sort of, between the closer to the border of WA and NT, so it's not like if he's actually going home. Yeah. You, you know, people say, Oh, he's from WA. Well, yes, he is, and he, he'll have probably a better support network around him in WA, but it's not as if he's actually going home. But I'm keen to see what he does in a fresh environment. I think he could be uh, pretty handy for that side. They've still got a great midfield, especially on paper when you look at it. Shui, Yo, Kelly, uh, Redden probably missed a name in there as well. So uh, Gaff probably going to be playing a bit more inside. I'd be keen to see what Petrowski-Seaton can do as a midfielder. Maybe a bit of wing and half-forward as well. Simpson sort of spoke about uh, that midfield half-forward split for him. So, yep. uh, yeah, I'd be keen to see what he does in a fresh environment. Um, and, it's again, it's a pretty cheap play for, for the Eagles. So they didn't have to give up much for him.
0: No, pretty good. Obviously, a high-end draft pick. And then, obviously, a pretty late draft pick back in return to Carlton just for his services.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, you never know. He, he could uh, come in and surprise a few. I think Carlton weren't too upset to see him go, but, um, yeah, he was pick six for a reason, and yep. uh, I, I think he could, uh, could could do a little bit of damage.
0: Yeah, change of club, fresh start. I think it's okay for Sam patrisky Seton. Okay, on to Lewis Young. He joins Carlton, so the Blues see him as a key defender. Mitch?
1: Yeah, a bit, bit of uh, backup stocks. Uh Does he come in and play alongside Weedering as it's a bit more of a lockdown and allow Jones to to roam free, potentially? Um, It almost feels to me that they've been waiting for Marchbank to come on a bit more and he continues to break down with his body. So Lewis Young is is good key defensive depth. Um, He should play a bit of footy in terms of his walk-up. I don't think he's a walk-up start like he may be hoping, but uh, let's see how that one pans out over pre-season.
0: Callum Coleman Jones joins North Melbourne. So he's now going to get opportunities, uh, I think, at the number one ruck spot for the Kangaroos, even with Goldstein in that team. So looking ahead to the future, uh, senior coach uh, David Noble is set to go with the dual ruck setup, Mitch.
1: Yeah, and he he liked this at Brisbane, even though he wasn't their coach. Mm. He saw it work pretty well with with Steph Martin and and Oscar McInerney, was it through uh, 18, 19 at that time? So. I like it. I think it's a it's a good play. It's like the Laddams one to to Sydney. I think um, Goldstein 80% ruck. Uh, Coleman Jones can push through that 20% with Goldstein another year older. Um, but he can play forward. And, and I think if he wants to be a ruckman, good on him. Uh, maybe a year or two. Um, a, a year or two after that, uh, Goldstein goes out of the side. Coleman Jones' upside uh, looks pretty good. Yep. Don't forget, he was a he was a dual All-Australian under 18, so uh, I think they an up upside there as a ruckman.
0: Absolutely. Okay, Robbie Tarrant joins Richmond. So back into key defence, uh, this time obviously with the Tigers, Mitch.
1: Yeah, two years was a bit of a surprise to me. Uh, we'll be 34 by the end of that deal, but they must see and, and backed him in, in terms of his um, in terms of his body. Probably needed to give him that two years to get him out of. Uh, North Melbourne, he was pretty settled there. The Ruse were offering one year, they ended up increasing it to, to a second. Um, but I think the Asbury role is a, is a like for like. It, it makes a bit of sense. Um, and Richmond must see themselves in that window. I think they do need to go. To the, I do think Richmond need to go to the draft yep. um, and get another defender. I'd love to see them pick up Josh Gibbs as that intercepting uh, young up and coming defender, like almost a Jake Lever. Type. I saw him on AFL.com.au today, Gibgis, sort of saying he likes the mouldy's game on, on Harris Andrews and, and Jake Lever. I think he's one for the future. He'll be a top-ten pick. Yep. Um, but uh, Robbie Tarrants a pretty solid stopgap in the meantime.
0: Now, Pat Lipinski joins Collingwood, so mm. he, he's going to get a serious look through that midfield at the Magpies. And, uh, McRae, what do you think there, Mitch?
1: It, yeah, the irony with this is Trevor went to the Dogs, cost yep. Lipinski games, and now Lipinski goes from the Dogs to the Pies and probably takes the minutes that... Uh, Trawal sure. left behind. Yep. Yeah. Um, we're always spending Nick Dacos to, to have a good start, but I think you might see him play a bit more half-back early or yep. sort of rotate around different spots. So um, I think there's going to be midfield minutes there for Lipinski. Um, we'll get some more on goey later, but I think Togoi might play a bit more forward next year as well. Yep. Um, so Lipinski, that time that Togoi consumes as, as a pure mid in the second half of this year, I think Lipinski will take uh, a lot of those minutes.
0: Jordan Dawson joins Adelaide, so he's likely to play a similar role that uh, as to what he did in 2021 at the Swans. Uh,
1: Dawson on one wing, Seedsman on the other. Yep. This is, uh, Number fantasy. 11. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, This is a fantasy fan's uh, dream. I think Dawson, uh, he's upside. He, he, he can go again. Yep. If he was top three in Sydney's BNF, he should be top three in Adelaide's next year. I think it's a great pick-up. The guy you want the ball in the hands of going forward. Um I remember the game uh, sitting boundary side for Western Bulldogs Sydney this year um, at Marble Stadium there would have been thirty-five, forty thousand 40,000 there it was uh, out of lockdown beautiful afternoon Kick three goals it was yes. really damaging against a grand finalist yep. if that's uh, what he can produce on a regular basis I think the Crows have uh, got a pretty good pick up there for what did it cost them uh, basically a, a sort of a future first round pick
0: yep he put the Bulldogs to the sword that day that's for sure yeah Okay, we're going on to Darcy Fort joins Brisbane, so obviously the ruck merry-go-round. So uh, <laughs> Brisbane Brisbane could be heading back down the path of a, playing a dual ruck setup, Mitch.
1: Yeah, like it's before. I think it's a good chance of him. He he couldn't have done much more at VFL and, and sort of state league second tier level this year for Geelong, and, and still wasn't being picked. So I think he plays a bit of footy up there next year. I still like Oscar McInerney as a forward too, even though he, mm. he impressed me this year as a number one ruck. I think he still absolutely is that number one ruck. But Fort has proven that he can kick goals at times in the VFL, so I think it's a, it's a nice pick-up for them. Tom Fullerton is the one that, um, that they expect to have a big pre-season and, yep. um, and sort of come on a bit. But um, no, I think Fort will play a bit of footy up there.
0: Yeah, obviously with Hipwood still recovering from his ACL, so potentially going to get a, an early look early next year, Mitch.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, we, we saw Chris Fagan do it with, with Martin and McElhinney. Um I don't think Fort is at Stephen Martin's level, but um, we might see him play a bit of footy, especially early in the season.
0: Okay, John Seglar joins Geelong. So extra ruck depth at Geelong, and interesting to see how this plays out from mm. Geelong senior coach Chris Scott.
1: It is. It's going to be really fun to watch over pre-season. I don't think Siegler and Stanley can play in the same team, so they're going to have to pick one of them. Interesting. Um, sorry, I don't think they can play in the same team. Yep. Um, Segler's a better tap ruckman. Stanley's better athletically around the ground. Um, yeah, it's going to be on for young and old over pre-season. Um, I was a bit surprised they gave Stanley a second year. They, I thought it probably only deserved a one-year extension. Yep. Um, but they're back to you. Both were on, on two-year deals. Uh, Let's see how they go when it comes to the pre-season games. I think it's going to be on for young and old. I think Radic, Galea, another year of endurance, another year of fitness into his body, should be that perfect second ruck uh, option. So uh, let's see if it's Segler or Stanley come round one.
0: Okay, Max Lynch uh, joins Hawthorne. So he showed some good signs in 2021 when he played for Collingwood. Uh, So extra development and obviously a long-term option for the Hawks in the ruck, Mitch.
1: Yeah, again, I don't think he and Ned Reeves can play in the same team, so Mm it's probably going to have to be one or the other. Yep. Um, I probably saw, well, Max Lynch was good in that game against Max Gorn at the SCG, um, but Ned Reeves came on a bit in the second half of the year, so they're probably both fighting for one spot. I think McAvoy will be used in different positions and and uh, and obviously Segler's gone now, so... um, yeah good opportunity for, for Max Lynch he was, he was never going to be playing at Collingwood uh, when Darcy Cameron had the that's the other thing that probably goes a bit unnoticed with Darcy Cameron's year, I think Max Lynch probably realised well yeah it's, I'm not going to be picked as number one ruck and I'm not going to be picked as the, the backup with with Darcy Cameron's form so I think it works for all parties uh, that he finds a new opportunity and um, like the Segler and Stanley one at Geelong I think uh, Segler uh, sorry Max Lynch and, and Reeves will be uh, going uh, in a ding dong battle over pre-season
0: Jordan Clark joins Fremantle so Fremantle want, wanted uh, the Justin Longmuir uh, they wanted some outside speed and that's where they're going to get with uh, Jordan Clark
1: yeah I really like it I think his first year at Geelong was really good as a halfback um, I've mentioned on a few platforms now that he and Matthew Scarlett didn't see eye to eye and Scarlett mm. didn't like his lack of defensive accountability at the Cats so he fell out of favour there and there was even a game, um, I remember, on uh, on Easter Monday, he was playing as a small forward against Hawthorne, and that's not what Jordan Clark was drafted for. So if he can uh, add a bit of bounce off half-back and, and push up onto the wing, I think he can be a really good asset for Fremantle.
0: And the last movement was Peter Lathams joining Sydney. So he should see a shared ruck role with Tom Hickey in 2022. Uh, but long-term, it's actually a pretty good move for Lathams, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, like like the Coleman Jones one at North Melbourne, I think um, Hickey was awesome in 21, but his body has let him down over time, and um, I think the, the number one ruck roll is there for Phil Adams taking from 23 and, and 24 and beyond. So it's a good move for him. I do question it a little bit because of the uh, development they put into Joel Armadio. I thought he yeah. um, showed showed a lot of good signs in 21 and another pre-season under his belt he'll be good, and I don't think you can play Hickey, Laddams and Amadi in the same team, but maybe it's Laddams and Amadi for the future. Uh, maybe that's what the, the horse and uh,
0: the, the Sydney coaches are thinking. Yeah, interesting with regards to recruiters on uh, the ruck situation, it's almost as if you've got the player movement and then the ruck, <laughs> the ruck is almost actually a different market. Do you, do you actually yeah. see it that way as well?
1: Well, it's funny, my uh, former colleague and, and good mate Kel Toomey has been big on the... Uh, the category are or, or having a separate ruck, rookie list um, mm-hmm. because they uh, they develop at a different rate. So Coleman Jones, for example, he was um, he was a first round pick or, or pick in the 20s that when he joined Richmond at the time and the Tigers put so much investment into him and he was they ready to cash in now and then unfortunately with soldo and and, and Nank he just was unable to, to get a spot and they and lose all that investment. So I think the rucks are a bit different. You, you look at all the good rucks. Max Gawn was. A lot, of his, a lot of himself this year is that they're All-Australian, but a lot of the good rucks have moved around. Shane Mumford retired uh, this week, and um, he's uh, he's been at three clubs and yep. was still performing at the end. So um, I think clubs back themselves in, and, and it's fine little openings. The, the best example is the Darcy Fort one, really, isn't it? Because he goes from third in line at Geelong, behind Ruddy and Stanley, to now second in line at Brisbane. So yep. blokes will back themselves in fine little openings for their career. And you look at Tom Hickey, 12 months ago. He was uh, basically a Nick Nass ruck coach. He was watching the edits for Nick Natt, and now uh, he's the number one ruck at Sydney. So it can uh, it can happen pretty quickly for these guys. And um, it's one of the, the things I think we all like to laugh and, and look at Geelong's age demographic with their list and think, oh, they brought another 30-year-old in. But I think the rucks are a little, a little bit different, like John Segler coming in. I think he's got a bit of footy left in him, even though he's on the other side of 30.
0: Yeah, it's interesting with regards to um, drafting a ruckman and actually against uh, recruiting a ruckman that's already at a club, because the cost analysis there would be: I mean, do we spend a a, a pick 20 like on or whatever it was for Coleman Jones and invest, yeah. invest like whatever costing it there, maybe four or five hundred thousand for two or three years, four years potentially, into yeah. how much does a draft pick actually cost? Is it, I mean, we can potentially give out a, uh, you know, a peak 20 at, in three years' time. And how much does that actually cost? It probably would wait in favour of just giving out a peak 20 in three to four years' time, Mitch.
1: Yep, it's a, it's a, good, it's a good way to look at it. And and clubs back themselves to find guys out of the state leagues. You know, Oscar McInerney was uh, he was playing for Casey as a 20 year old, and, and now he's, you know, a bona fide ruckman for a top four team. So uh, it can happen pretty quickly for these mature age guys as well
0: all good trade period done there but now let's get on to a couple of interviews you recently did on channel seven uh, the first one we're going to talk about is jordan to you mentioned his role for next year so uh we did see his progress with regards to his training regime over in america um but can you tell the listeners a little bit about what he said about his role
1: yeah he's looking really fit and i think uh a credit to him for, for getting off his backside and, and getting over there. He had to jump through a few hoops to get over to America uh, through his partnership with Monster Energy, but he's done it. He's over there and he's he's training pretty pretty hard at the moment. Um, I did ask him, you know, he's often spoken previously about his desire to play as a midfielder, Yeah. Um, but he said he's not sold on that and he's spoken to, to Craig McRae a couple of times and he's happy to do the old cliche Pete, uh, what's best for the team. Yep, um, but but uh, he said he still wants to roll through the midfield, but is expecting to play uh, minutes as a forward this year. So I think that pure midfield role that uh, Robert Harvey had for him in the second half of this year uh, might need to be toned down a bit. I think we're still going to see him play big minutes as a forward. Uh, I think that extra bit of uh, midfield depth with Lipinski coming in and, and then Nick Dacos uh, might lend itself to, to Jordan Dugowie playing a bit more uh, a bit more forward, a bit more similar to his uh, split like he was under Bucks.
0: So that's really interesting because a few weeks out before the end of the season, obviously before McRae comes in as senior coach, uh, goey said in an interview, uh, that he wanted to play bigger minutes through the midfield next year. So obviously the change since then is McRae coming in, and obviously what you've just said that just then is that you know he's changed his thinking. So that's really interesting on he, where he thought he was going to be leading into pre-season to where he is now. Uh, just obviously as you said, doing the team thing, and obviously it's a big year for De next year. It's a contract year.
1: It is. Um, I think you should be trying to do. Vetrak is probably a little bit different because I think Vetrak is probably more of a midfielder, maybe a, a mix between Petrarca and Stringer. Uh, that first that first midfielder, um, you know, and then push forward and best and a half uh, centre-forward player. So um, I'm really keen to see what Degowie can do next year. And uh, who knows, uh, players often have their best, careers, uh, best years when they're uh, coming out of contract.
0: And the other interview that I did take notice of again on Channel 7 News was uh, Joel Selwood. You interviewed him last week. So his first year back in 2007, way back then, uh, getting up there in age, any insight into his role for next year?
1: Didn't sort of go down that path with him. I should have because I knew that uh, a lot of fantasy coaches would be keen to hear what he, he had to say. I think he's, he's pretty much a midfielder. He played a bit of wing through sort of 17, 18, 19 from memory. Um when the cats are sort of trying to bite a few other guys through their yep. return to a pure mid through 2021, 20, I think that's where his best position is. Um, he, they might roll him through half back a little bit, a little bit of half forward, but I just don't think he provides that impact there like some other guys do. Even like a Pendlebury, I think Pendlebury's more uh, offers a little bit more uh, sort of either end compared to a Selwood. So yep. I think we get, we're going to still see, and speaking to a few people at Geelong, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of big minutes as a mid for, for Joel.
0: Okay, Mitch, thank you very much for that. Plenty of information there for fantasy coaches. Uh, it's a big pre coming up, that's for sure. Uh, where can the listeners find you?
1: You can find me on Channel 7 News most nights, uh, about 6.45, the, the sports bulletin hits, or if I've got a big story, it might be uh, a little bit earlier in the bulletin. Uh, or you can find me on Twitter, at Cleary underscore Mitch. And, Pete, we're trying to get the Instagram up and running as well, so maybe... Uh, Chuck me a follow on Instagram at uh,
0: Cleary underscore Mitch as well. Absolutely. Big year for Instagram for Mitch and even AFR ratings as well. So, again, Mitch, thank you very much. Uh, Thanks for joining us on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me on.